Um, you guys know it very well. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and, uh, and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. weary. They will walk and not faint. I love that. Because work in any shape and form can be a grind at times. You know, something. Hi, and welcome to Integrate Faith and Innovate, the podcast of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation, um, structured to have conversations about the way that our faith impacts our day-to-day -day work. Um, our goal is to have practical tips for faithful decision-making in everyday business. I'm here with my co-host, F.T. Chong. And we are excited to welcome today Steve Wilhite, our, our special guest, who is Senior Vice President uh, at Schneider Electric over Energy and Sustainability Services, and also a board member of the CFI board and a Wheaton alum. So Steve, thank you so much for being with us today. We're really excited for this conversation. Thanks, Anna. It's good to be with you in FT. Thank you so much, Steve. And FT, um, why don't you talk a little bit as we get started with our conversation about um, the need to have a spiritual quotient, the need to be guided by the spirit, not just our emotions and intelligence in business. And, and then Steve, we'll, we'll look to you to see what does this look like? Thanks, FT and Steve. Great. Um, I always mention I am a, uh, not a Wheaton alum, but I'm a parent of a Wheaton student. And uh, throughout my business career, I've always felt uh, that Christians should be perhaps a little bit more visible instead of being stealth. And uh, the question is, if we are visible, are we going to talk about the same things that non-Christians talk about, right? Uh, and so as we started on this podcast, we uh, hit on this concept of spiritual quotient. Uh, uh, besides IQ and EQ, uh, I think the past year has shown us that uh, spiritual intelligence or spiritual maturity is an important component of what we bring to the workplace, and we shouldn't be shy about it. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about Christians having the ability. We have a superpower. We can pray to God. <laughs> Everybody can have that ability, but uh, but there are, there are abilities, there are there are attributes, there are support systems, there are all these things that can be a Christian has access to. So uh, we wanted to talk to you today. Uh, you have an interesting background. Um, so we will, I think, maybe start by just uh, giving us a summary of your your background and career. Sure, happy to do that. Thank you, FT. Let me first start by saying sometimes the impression for people watching a podcast like this or anything is that somehow a person's an expert. So let me first say, I am an expert sinner before we go too far. So I'm gonna share some of my own journey and challenges and struggles. Uh, but if you start to think that I'm somehow an expert in something other than being a, a sinner myself, then, uh, then please, we gotta correct that right out of the gate. Uh, but it really is a joy to be here with both of you. And I love what you're doing around the spiritual quotient piece. And I'll, I'll come back and touch a little bit on that. Uh, but today, in addition to being the husband of Gina and father of, of three kids and, and other things, other labels, maybe, I am senior vice president of what's referred to as the Energy and Sustainability uh, Services Business Group in Schneider. Uh, the, the company I ran, Summit Energy, 
that I was CEO of sold to Schneider about 10 years ago. And it's a shock that I've survived 10 years in Schneider is uh, that's not the typical approach where, uh, you know, people get acquired and, and brought into a company, but Schneider is 150,000 people strong globally. The business I run is about 2,200 people uh, distributed around the globe. Uh, I sit in Louisville, Kentucky, but I, I have global teams uh, that I get to interact with. Primary purpose of the business is really to help drive companies and lead companies on their decarbonization and sustainability journey. And that covers what they spend as it relates to energy and resources. It concerns how they consume energy and related resources, and it concerns what they consume. So in terms of the, the buying, the consumption, and the maybe greening up, if you will, uh, of the portfolio of consumption, um, all, all goes together. And so some of the largest global footprints in the world partner with us or outsource or um, use us in some manner to help them manage that effectively. So if you put that in terms of spend, it might be in a 35 to 40 billion euro or, or, or dollar range of a of a portfolio that we're counting yeah. on to manage. Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, so we'll be on the business side for a few minutes before sure. we go. Um, do you, is your service to save money or to help people be more green? What's it's both. And, and so that's what I say. You can't just attack, uh, we want to make it economic, uh, but we also want to make it sustainable. And mm -hmm. so that comes with how do we use the, minimal amount of resources or the right level of resources to optimize. By, by the way, FT, at the same time, most of the globe or m many parts of the globe are not electrified and don't have access to energy. And so you, you think of many people in, in places that don't have access to clean drinking water and, and, uh, and, and things like that, very basic human needs. So we see the bringing of electrification also as, um, as important. So, in some ways, you're bringing consumption to people, but hopefully you're bringing it in a long-term sustainable fashion that can, that can help humanity in other ways as well. Yeah. Just one more uh, on the non-church side first. Sure. Uh, uh, well, in a sense, it, 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 it doesn't overlap. Um, help me uh, to understand global warming, zero, net zero emissions, all the whole kind of energy uh, global warming, climate change. Um, as a Christian, I find it hard to understand two sides. Uh, and, and you are right in the middle of all of this. Uh, tell us what what are the facts? What should we know? What should I know as a you know educated person? So I've I've fought with wrestled with this myself. First of all, FT about the science around climate change and. So we wouldn't be able to fit all of that into this podcast. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. But I would say this, we can debate the science all day, all right? And you'd look and some people will say, hey, an eruption of volcano will produce more emissions in one eruption than maybe, you know, the consumption of entire continents yeah. um, and all that. To me, there's an element here, a common denominator that rather for me personally, enter the debate about the science. I look at it really from a stewardship perspective. And, and mm -hmm. Hannah and I have talked about this before. 
And I think about what I've been charged with. And we as humans have been, you know, endowed by our creator um, to, in effect, manage and be a, a steward of this planet. Now, that does not mean I worship the planet itself. Right. And for many people in the climate change net zero world, it can bleed into almost a, a worship of that. And that's not who I worship. I worship my creator, okay, who created all of that. And part of my job is to take care of that. And so I've had discussions. Many people on my teams around the world are super passionate about the climate, uh, about the environment. And I appreciate that. I am very comfortable entering a debate with them and saying, you know what, we're going to come at it from different perspectives. Sure. But you know what? I think we're winding up in the same place. Sure. Stewardship and responsibility, right? Absolutely. And so I, I, that's more of what motivates me. Now, there's clearly things that have to enter the discussion about, well, how do you measure the impact and the, and, and, and the reductions? And so there's some element of science. Many companies are wrestling with science-based targets. Uh, how do you set targets that are driven by science? And there's mm -hmm. argue, arguments on both sides as to what's truly scientific uh, and what's not. But, you know, to me, we've got to aggressively pursue this agenda in lots of different ways. Yeah. I, uh, uh, thank you for that. And we won't spend too much time on it. Uh, just, uh, just a lighthearted moment, which is yeah. like, it's, uh, so, so uh, uh, always nagging us about, oh, we are green, we're uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, we hate carbon emissions. <clears throat> but I tell the kids, hey, uh, the practical side is turn off the switch off the lights when you totally. leave the room, and don't put the air conditioner on and leave the windows open. It's just like do do your personal stewardship. Is you're to you're totally right. In you know, it, is there an opportunity to do that using renewable resources uh, that God has also given to us, right? Yeah. And and uh, and provided to us in that way. But you're totally right, FT. I get so you know when the kids were all here at home walking through the house, turning things off. I mean, it's ridiculous. So now the good news is there's so many technologies out there where we can tr control that from our phones yeah, yeah. and we can optimize that stuff. We can use AI to help optimize uh, those, those scenarios. And so why not take advantage of the intelligence that God has so graciously granted to us uh, yeah. to get better? I think it's it's interesting as well. Um, when I started in the sustainability research space, you know, from a business perspective, twelve years ago now, it's been a while. Uh, I really came into it from the stewardship perspective, yeah. and then realized that sustainability and the things we need to sustain, obviously, economic sustainability, mm -hmm. um, the environmental piece has really been forefront in the sustainability movement. But there's also a people piece that in order to sustain businesses, um, that you have to engage people really well. And certainly, as Christians, we're called to care for the garden and the environment. I think there is some spiritual call there, but also to care for people. And um, I, might, I mean, if it's okay, I'll shift the conversation a little bit sure. to thinking about, um, you know, the the spiritual, how your SQ, how your faith, you know, um, kind of plays in on the environmental, but also thinking about your, your decision-making as you ran your own company, shifted into Schneider Electric, how has your faith really impacted how you've related and, you know, communicated with people in the business space as well over the years. Can you think of, you know, specific examples of not just a stewardship of the natural environment, but also stewardship of people yeah. and the call that we have as Christians? Yeah. So I'm not, let me just say, I'm not embarrassed at all about driving a business to grow and be more profitable. Um, I am not uh, shy about that in, in any respect. 
we I want to drive shareholder value in all this. So at the same time, I think there is uh, we have congruent interests in that the more um, I as a leader of a business and providing an environment where people can flourish and use their gifts and talents the utmost. And by the way, that doesn't just mean believers because it's not like this is a business that's stamped uh, by the kingdom. Okay. This is a secular business. And, you know, so I'm not at all shy about that, but I think I have to provide an environment that both gives an opportunity for people to really grow and flourish make money for the shareholder and be profitable. By the way, if we're not profitable, we will not be sustainable yep. um, and produce value and good and service for a world that needs it. And so that's why me personally, I'm more driven by the serving side of the business than I am necessarily in, uh, in producing products. So even though our company produces many, many great products it, for, for me, it, it, it's driven more on the, on that service side, but, uh, so, um, by the way, I didn't mean, one quick aside on that. I do love the SQ kind of framework that, that you all have focused on because a good buddy of mine, Rob McKinnon, and I think uh, both of you may know him, wrote the book, Lead Like You Were Meant To. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, he uses the four dimensions in his coaching and in his writing, the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, and the spiritual, with the spiritual being at the center. And we all have a spiritual component, as you all have said. Now, for a believer, that may come from hopefully a Christ-centeredness and a Christ followership. But for you know others of other faiths that we have spread across our organization, it may come from from a different source. My job as a leader is not to sit and and uh, and criticize their source, um, but also to remain true to who I am. Yeah, I think uh, Hannah spoke too. Uh, if you haven't read it, you should. Um, yeah, in the wisdom, in her wisdom. <laughs> the concept yeah. of urban leadership has been. Uh, oh. There you go. <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you, Steve. <laughs> I, love it. I love it, actually, Hannah. I do. There's some things that have uh, uh, flowed from the Christian conversation into normal leadership, servant leadership, right? Is, mm -hmm. is now. Uh, a term that a lot of people use, uh, but it was really initially really applied to Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there are many wisdom things that really can be shared with non-believers, servant leadership being an example. Yeah. Um, how about your own personal, um, personal qualities, I would say? I would say uh, for me, it's uh, being a believer, uh, I have much more courage I think I was born uh, maybe more timid than normal, <laughs> but being a le uh, believer has given me much more courage to make difficult decisions. Yeah, yeah. What what are some of the things that may have you know come into your business life because of your faith, because of your SQ? Yeah, I think FT. What you're talking about, one I can totally relate because um, oftentimes as leaders we have to make decisions in the gray zone. And I think what's helpful for me um, with, with regards to my faith is my faith really helps me push it into uh, the black and white, if you will, as opposed to just gray. It, it, yeah. it, I, I don't know how to describe that other than to say, you know what, at the end of the day, this is the common denominator that, that I, I fall back to. Now, I'd like to think that I'm not just falling back to it. 
I'd like to think it's integrated throughout. And I, I think that's a, a, a journey that we're all on is how to make it not a, def, not, not a fallback, but a integrated all the way. But that's an area that really mm -hmm. seems to help me push it out of that. Uh, and, and, and by the way, I would add, I think it helps us as believers be more decisive and more willing to take risk in some ways. Now, I, I, I probably shouldn't say more, but because uh, it sounds like I'm comparing, but it certainly helps me more appropriately evaluated the risks and decisions in, in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully be more decisive. Yeah. For me, yeah. One of your main jobs is to make decisions, right? Uh, and, and behind that is the courage. And I find that's one of the greatest things that my faith has given me. Yep. Uh, the other is you have a big group of people. Humility. How does that? How does humility come into your kind of your way? Yeah, and I think what it is is not coming, uh, not believing that you know it all. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, Hannah, I've heard you use the phrase being a lifelong learner at, mm -hmm. at different times. Um, and I think it comes from the willingness and openness to to uh, to be learning all the time. I'll tell you an area that right now is hot in addition. Well, first of all, the sustainability space is extremely hot, as you both know. I mean, it's frothing. But also the DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion overall space. And you know what? I have to learn more. Mm -hmm. And I have to be willing to, to listen and continue to learn where maybe some of my hidden biases are. And I think I've had to learn lessons in humility. Of, of how to, you know, when, when and where do I shut up and really listen and evaluate? Hey, am I thinking about this the right way? But then also FT, combining that with the boldness to recognize where I'm falling short, but also uh, recognizing other things. I'll give you one quick example. Um, just a few days ago, I was on a call with our employee resource group locally. And um, at times I get frustrated because maybe they're carrying uh, initiatives that I wouldn't necessarily be carrying. I mean, like, why are we doing this? And they were showing me a calendar of events. And on that calendar of events, it showed different things that are celebrate, being celebrated or pointed out each month. And you can probably imagine the list. But one of the things was Diwali, the Festival of Lights in November. And then I saw on the calendar was in December was a holiday uh, party. And I challenged the group back and say, hey, look, I'm not challenging you on why we put Diwali in November, but the roots of Diwali is Festival of Lights started in a religious aspect where it's uh, worshiping the goddess of prosperity, I believe. And so that's the roots of, of Diwali. And yet, and the roots of Christmas, by the way, which has also become secularized, it has both a religious and secular, but for some reason we can't say Christmas party. Right. I, I don't understand that. So I think there's also a sense of both humility to listen, but then humility enough not to hide my own reaction necessarily yeah. in there and challenge I, I get you you know you work in a big company i work in a big big company um and uh to some extent earned uh christians have alienated a lot of people so if you say a christian thing it it evokes a naturally hostile reaction it does yeah so actually i just participated on a uh on a small panel actually only three people uh for LGBTQ plus uh, group in at my workplace, uh, I, I said, I'll be an ally. I'll join you guys as an ally. So I came in and I said, you know, I approached this with uh, humility and respect. 
I want to learn. There's so much to like, just like climate change. There's so much I want to learn. So right. I want, to listen, I want to learn what what is the issue? What are the pain points? What do you, what can I you know what can I do right? And I also said, um, we get one view of Christians as judgmental people, but I wanted to be part be active to say the other side of Christianity is also um, we were here we're here to serve. I'm here to serve, not to oppress. So. It's the opposite of oppression, and I'm here to help bring justice, not to judge. So neither judge nor oppress, but serve and uh, bring justice. And that's one side of Christianity that really should not be ashamed to express itself in the workplace. Uh, and so, in in a sense, I hope that was positive. Uh, yeah, in big companies now, uh, I think Christians should speak up uh, and not speak up in a oppressive way, um, but, you know, be present, be present, don't see the workplace to other voices. We should be the ones out there pushing mercy and justice. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just add to it, FT, I think there's an element of speak up, but act up. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so, it, sh it should be both. Like, I think the Holy Spirit provides us opportunities where we should be, you know, speaking up in ways that maybe we might hesitate too much. But I think also we're called to work. And this is where the whole faith and work um, needs to be completely blended. Because I can't separate what, you know, my foundation from my work hours. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think any of us can do that. Otherwise, we're putting one in a closet and another one. I, yeah. I, I really feel strongly about that. And so I would like, and I think we've talked about this in the past a little bit, uh, Hannah and FT. I want to be the leader that members of these diverse communities know as a Christian and want to work for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What it'd be interesting to hear from you as well. And you're a Wheaton under, you know, alum. So you went to Wheaton College for your undergrad and um, and even if listeners, you know, didn't go to a Christian, you know, undergraduate school and you're a Christian now in the workplace, you know, we all have experiences in places like Wheaton, whether it's our church or other places where, where you have a learning or a growing space where everybody is of the same mind. We all have the same faith, you know, at Wheaton, it's all Christian, you know, in churches, you all have the same, you know, faith agreements. Um, could you talk a little bit about kind of your your journey over your career and the journey in your faith of going from Wheaton College into a secular workplace. And how how has your faith been shaped over the years? How has God gotten your attention? So that you're sitting in front of us, you know, with the perspective that you have now of wanting to be that Christian voice in, in secular spaces and wanting to, you know, communicate the gospel in the way that you you have over the years. What's, what's, what's shaped you? What have been your um, maybe critical key points over the years? Yeah, a couple quick ones. It's a, it's a great question. I mean, uh, first of all, I think um, I'd go back to pre-Wheaton. My mm -hmm. dad was a pastor uh, for many years while he was alive. And uh, I had phenomenal parents, both my mom and dad. And one of the things, five kids, uh, so I have four siblings, by the way, three went to Wheaton. The one is on a redemption plan. Um, but uh, one of the things my dad always emphasized with us is he'd, he'd tell us kids, he says, He'd say, you are, uh, you are in full-time ministry regardless of what you do. So anybody that thinks that you have to follow in my steps of being a pastor, because I was a pastor or in ministry, is wrong. 
And he said, you're in full-time ministry regardless of what you do. And the only thing that differentiates you is a paycheck. And he really emphasized that. And I'm so grateful for him, you know, really drilling that in with, with all of us kids, but certainly, certainly with me. So at Wheaton, yes, for me, it was refreshing because I'd gone from all the schools I went to, went through K through 12 were all public. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it wasn't always easy being Christian in a public school setting. So in a way, Wheaton was a breath of fresh air, but then immediately after Wheaton, get plopped out. And I would say one of the key things for me, in addition to, you know, how my parents invested in me, was I was thrust from the word go into situations that required me to speak up. So back to your mm -hmm. boldness comment, FT, I was stuck because I couldn't not say anything. Okay. I, I mean, I couldn't say nothing. I think a key thing is being thrust into situations where your faith is challenged. And that's happened to me repeatedly where I almost get into a situation where I better say something. I have to say something. I don't have a choice. And now, then I engage in the dialogue. And by the way, I learned early on how to have a welcoming, open dialogue with somebody that doesn't believe exactly as I do and not uh, make it, it, it uh, deconstructive, so to speak. So so I would say that. I, I, I'd also say, so it's not just the speak up, the act up part, I'll also throw in there you know, for you. You know, and I think I've shared this before. My one of my favorite Bible stories or passages is the life of Joseph, because his career was awesome. He went from the bottom of the well to the top of Potiphar's household, the bottom of the jail to the top of the jail. Yeah, yeah. to becoming CEO of of, of Egypt, essentially, that's his career path. And yeah. along the way, each one of his leaders you know, would make the statement to him. You can read it in Genesis. They'd say, uh, the Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And so he advanced him. The jailer saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Pharaoh saw that the Lord was with Joseph. In each of those instances, it didn't say Joseph told him. So there's an act up, but there's also, I mean, there's a speak up, but there's also an act up. And I would love it if at the end, the leaders I work with would go, you know, they saw that the Lord was with Steve. Now, I, yeah. I'm not, yeah, so anyhow, I'll pause. No, no, no I, uh, thank you. Um, uh, he's, uh, Joseph was one of the few almost faultless people in the Bible. <laughs> he did. He did. And so I'm not putting myself in that category. Yeah. Up to no, he did, he did, <laughs> he did uh, mess around with his brothers a couple of times. Exactly. <laughs> but um, uh, this brings up a good point. Which is uh, in your in your job, and I tell you in my job because I invest in private companies. And true periods, there are periods of layoffs, and where you have to fire people or uh, put people on furlough or whatever it is. Uh, I'm sure you have had to do it, and it's not one person, but could be tens or hundreds. Uh, at a company where overnight we laid off 1,200 people, and you have to harden yourself to do it a little bit. It's, there's no easy way if there's no money to pay people. Um, and I just want to, uh, yeah, maybe you can relate your experience, but in Joseph's side, Joseph also had to harden himself to suffer all that he suffered, but he came out soft in the end in the, because the two passages where he started crying, which showed he still, he didn't turn into this piece of stone that was ruling Egypt, mm -hmm. but inside he still had the kind of the emotions of, of a human, someone who loved his family, right? Yeah. Um, 
how about yourself? <laughs> yeah, so I would have said it slightly. I, one, I agree with the overall concept there, FT. I would say that in those situations, I've had to go through restructurings that have involved hundreds of people in different occasions. Okay. Um, fortunately, I've been part of a business that's been growing, but oftentimes you might be pursuing a path that requires a retrenchment and go in a, in a different way. Yeah, and sure. skill sets aren't necessarily the right skill sets or in the right job. Yeah, or you, yeah. So, so I've had to do it. I would actually, I've tried to reverse that thought of instead of hardening up, softening up. Hmm. Because I, I want to try to put myself in the position of the person, regardless of whether it's exiting through a restructuring or exiting because of a firing uh, for other reasons, put myself in the seat of that person and then me be found doing the right thing in yep. each instance. So um, we get faced with those decisions all the time, but I, I think it's more of a, that's where you com combine the boldness and courage with the soften in understanding. And I, I wish I could say there was a perfect formula for that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's finding that balance. Yeah, it, I, I just wanted to bring this up because for our listeners who could be young people or people who are leaders as well, uh, we all a little bit hardened up a little bit the past 18 months to survive COVID um, yep. in a sense of, you know, I got to be tougher, uh, but not to harden so much that the shell has become the entire entity that that uh, to as we come out of this to uh, remember that <laughs> you don't have to be tough all the time and then kill the softer parts of your you know your personality or your, your being uh, which is the caring about people and more positive emotions and all of that uh, which I think is also you know your story of Joseph I'm just picking up on that in that in that what it taught me that you don't turn into a hard person just because you've gone through hard times. Yeah, and I think I think going along with that, FT, it's about knowing people's stories. I really believe, I mean, I can't know 2,200 stories, you know, in their entirety, but when I'm interacting on video calls, I know that every person I'm interacting, I, I have to remind myself, by the way, is coming to that video call with a story that's going on. And I may not know the story behind the scenes that they're not showing on that video. And I'll, I, I can tell you there's so many times where the story has ended up coming up. Um, and sometimes I'm not paying attention in the story and other times I am paying attention. And there's been times where I thought, boy, there was something going on there and I'll shoot the person a note later. But I really think it's about paying attention to the stories because everybody's going through a different aspect of this right now. Yeah. I think I think as we kind of draw to the end of our time together, it'd be amazing if you've you've talked about Joseph. But are there specific passages in Scripture that have guided you and have been kind of anchors to you over the years as you've persevered and um, you know stayed soft and humble throughout your amazing amazing experiences in business? Feels like it goes through all kinds of I mean it, it, of phases on that. I mean we my my parents. Um, used Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 as their life uh, verses. And I love it too. And uh, I, I feel like I've adopted that from them. Um, you guys know it very well. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and, uh, and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I love that. Because work 
in any shape and form can be a grind at times. Now, someday we're going to be in heaven where work is perfect and we're all going to be working. It's going to be awesome because we're using our gifts and talents. And so, you know, that's a passage that's kind of been an anchor for me, but also through phases. Right now, I think I shared with you guys some of the challenges my youngest brother's going through. Um, he's the best sales guy I've ever met, salesperson I've ever met. And the reason is because he's interested in people's stories. And I've seen him in the hospital in the Shepherd Center Atlanta over the past few months. The whole staff, nurses, therapists, other patients that are there, he knows their stories. He's taking the same set of gifts and talents that he uses, that he's used in the work environment. And he's just naturally using them in a hospital right now. And I'm watching that play out. And so passages around how are we using the gifts and talents and, and all that. But in magic marker Sharpie on his fist, every day he's got S-E-C-H. Okay? S-E-C-H. Romans 5, trials bring about suffering. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And the hope will not disappoint. Okay? And, and you, you know the passage in Romans 5. Yeah, yeah. And right now, I'd, I'd say that's an area that I'm, I'm really dwelling and trying to rest in, if you will, because it's, it's uh, and not that everything we do in our work is a drag. Okay, there's joy and praise and fun, you know, and, and, and you both know this, but that particular passage is, is especially me yeah. there. I think then as we close and we'll go around and kind of um, all three of us maybe uh, contribute one takeaway, one practical tip for a listener that they can take from this conversation and say, do this tomorrow. Um, not just in your work to see profitability, but to serve God as you steward what he's given us all to do really well. Um, what would be one, um, I think for me, actually, the, the space of thinking about perseverance, but persevering in humility and softness is actually my takeaway for tomorrow. Mm. And, and the rising up when you get weary and remembering, gosh, that's such a great, thank you for sharing that, that verse, Steve. Um, just such a great reminder that there's an expectation that we will weary, but there's also our expectation in God that he's there to restore us and exactly. renew us. And so um, let's persevere, but not persevere without hope, persevere in humility and kindness and um, awareness of others. So I think I did like four takeaways for application tomorrow, but um, <laughs> uh, each of you, what, did, uh, what would you say from this conversation? Man, I think this is one thing as a listener you should do tomorrow. <laughs> Let me start. Okay. Um, uh, I feel great joy in this conversation. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, and energized. Uh, so this has been a good break for me. I can get back to work energized. I just wanted <laughs> to remind people of the word joy, uh, second fruit of the spirit, uh, which is uh, Hebrew simcha and in in Greek kara, which is uh, the sister word of charis, which is grace. Uh, and that uh, I think as believers, uh, there is so much joy engaging with other believers, but also doing our work and just not to forget uh, the joy. I mean, I feel it and I remind myself there is this enduring joy that just is flowing through us all the time. So mm -hmm. thank you. I really enjoyed this. So you want me jumping in? Yes, please. <laughs> I, I think the, re the reminder and one of the takeaways for me is uh, the energy I get from interacting like this with fellow believers. So even though we can think back in the wheat and experience as everybody's in a bubble and a cocoon, 
there's something very refreshing about just a conversation with the two of you and uh, how encouraging that can be to go back and say, you know what, I'm not paying attention quite as much attention as I should be. So I'm, I'm, pre I'm preaching it and saying it, but I'm going to remind you that uh, I'm an expert at sinning and, uh, and forgetting. But uh, so it's a reminder for me that uh, how uh, just fruitful the fellowship can be. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve. And, and as we close today, would you um, would you mind just praying that that God just cements all of this in our hearts and in the hearts of our listeners as as we close? I will. I'd love to. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you are so good uh, to give us um, teammates on this journey of life to go through together. I am so grateful for that. And I thank you for that. And uh, I also thank you for the work that you give us to do. And so, Father, as we come before you, we just lift up that each one of us that's either in this podcast or listening to it or watching it uh, would, would really act on what you, the gifts and talents that you've given each one of us in the work you've called us to do. And so I pray that we're faithful and obedient. I also want to throw in there, I pray that you throw in front of us some instance or some event where it allows us to use the platform that we've been given with our faith in you and faith in your son uh, for your kingdom. Throw it right in front of us. Make it so obvious that we take the action. And so uh, thank you for my brothers and sisters on this call. You're so good. And uh, we thank you for this time in your son's name. Amen. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we're so excited for, for all that you're going to do for the kingdom of heaven and all that God has for you in this next season. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> thank, you. Uh, thank you, FT. Good to be with both of you. Yes. Thank you.